who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Sidewalk Audio presents Shadow Magic. A podcast novel by John Lenahan. Read by the author. Chapter 15. Big Hair. The Banshees approached slowly. They knew they had us cornered, but I think they weren't sure if we had any long-range weapons. The four of us stood shoulder to shoulder, watching their approach. The closer they got, the less I liked the look of them. It was a motley crew. I doubted if any of them had ever signed the Geneva Convention on Prisoners of War. As they got closer, I doubted if any of them could sign their names. The wild-haired banshee in the front raised his hand and they all grumbled to a stop. They were close enough now that they could see us clearly. Araf undid his sword belt and dropped it and his staff to the ground. He held his hands out in a peaceful gesture. We all did the same. The banshee with the big hair seemed to be in charge. He saw our surrender and bowed to us formally. Then he turned to his troops and barked something. A group of twenty archers jogged to the front and notched arrows into their bows. Hair Guide turned to us, smiled, and yelled, Fire! The wall of arrows came straight at us. I didn't move a muscle, partly because Essa said we would be safe behind the shield, but mostly because when a couple of dozen arrows are coming at you, there's no place to run. The afternoon's light highlighted the Chief Banshee's hair. It grew straight out of his head like too much cotton candy. I remembered a pencil I owned when I was a kid. It was a troll doll with hair just like that sitting on top of it. If you rubbed the pencil between your hands, the troll would spin and its hair would shoot straight out. I wish I had a pencil big enough to impale him on. Under that mop of white streaked black hair, I could see the glee in the banshee's face. All of this and more went through my mind as a flock of arrows came at me. It felt like an eternity before the missiles hit the shield wall. Just two arm lengths in front of my face, the arrows burst into flames. For a second, I thought I was going to be engulfed in fire. Then the flames instantly dissipated. 
I shot a look at Essa, who was breathing a sigh of relief. It made me think she wasn't quite as confident of her wall as she said. The joy of not being killed by arrows was short-lived. The banshee archers put away their bows, drew their swords, and casually came for us. There was no need to hurry. They had us. I felt like I was in a scene in a cheap movie, and I was some helpless girl in a dark alley surrounded by a vicious gang. I always wondered what those girls were doing wandering in dodgy alleys so late at night. But there was no superhero in a leotard to save us. This was the real deal. These guys were coming to kill us. I know it's a cliché, but my life flashed before my eyes, and it annoyed me because it was so dull. The most exciting time of my life had been the last week. Before that, the biggest thrill I ever had was a bicycle accident in the sixth grade. I was actually more annoyed than scared. I was annoyed that I wouldn't see my father again. Sally would never know what happened to me, and I'd never know what happened to her. Maybe she hadn't even missed me. And I wanted to see my mother again. Finding a mom after all these years was the most wonderful thing that ever happened to me. One more hug would be nice. Bad hair day Banshee stopped his troops about 25 feet away. He smiled at me and I smiled back. Fergal leaned into me and whispered through his teeth, If I go, I'm taking him with me. I was just thinking the same thing, I replied. Bad hair Banshee ordered his troops to split and come at us from the left and the right. At first I thought it was a tactical move. Then I realized that they probably thought our arrow wall would burn them as well. Well, I wasn't going to tell them their mistake. It was better than a frontal attack. Not much. But you take what comfort you can get in a situation like this. Araf and Essa squared off to meet the attack from the left. Fergal and I turned to face the right. I looked at Fergal and he was grinning from ear to ear. We both were. We were definitely related. When Hair Guy pointed behind us, no one looked. We weren't stupid enough to fall for that old trick. So I jumped when I heard from the rear my mother's voice shouting my name. She may have not been there for me when I was a kid, but she was making up for lost time now. There she was in all of her animal-skinned splendor, U-wand in her hand, standing next to a V-shaped gap in the blackthorn wall. The banshees were almost on us. I grabbed Fergal by the collar and called to the others. As soon as we jumped through, Deirdre raised her wand and encanted something to close the thorns behind us. Seven banshees dove through the gap before it closed with a sickening scream on the eighth. Araf, as usual, was ready for action. He instantly knocked out the banshee that went for Deirdre. I didn't have time to thank him because one came for me. If I close my eyes... I can still see his face. I can still picture the stripes embroidered on his tunic, and I can still see the eyes, young eyes. I can remember everything about him. He was the first man I ever killed. I didn't want to. As soon as the fight began, I knew I was a much better swordsman. After a couple of parries, I saw that he had almost no defensive skills. One counter-strike would have drawn blood. So 
I tried the dahi maneuver in hopes of knocking him out with my elbow. He parried the feint, just as he should have, but when I went in with the elbow, I lost my footing and went down. My opponent was not as gracious as me. He came at me with a coup de gras. I had only one option. From the ground, I beat the point of his sword to the outside and planted my blade in his chest. I will always remember the shock on his face. I'm sure that when he woke up that morning, this was not the way he imagined his day would end. I stood up and saw the second one coming at me and did nothing. I was in such a daze about actually killing someone that I just stared with almost amusement as this screaming banshee ran at me with an axe cocked over his head. I probably would have just watched him until he split my head open, but that didn't happen. Like it was in a dream, I saw a shadow step in front of me in a flash of a blade. The next thing I knew, I was casually watching the banshee run past me, minus his upper arms and his head. I turned to look at my savior and said, Thanks, Dad. One of Big Hare's troops on the other side was stupid enough to take a swipe at the blackthorns with a sword. The air filled with flying thorns and screams. The banshees backed off fast. Araf, Essa, Fergal, and I were miraculously unharmed. Four of the seven attackers that had followed us in were dead. Three were unconscious. Deirdre used her wand again, and the thorns opened enough for Araf to throw the dead and unconscious banshees through. I watched all of this as if in a trance. I was a bumbling idiot. It felt as if my mind had left my body and I was floating above it all, watching with an uncaring attachment. Basically, my brain snapped. That was it. No more thinking. I had been seconds away from death, then I had caused the death of another. I reached inside and switched my head to the off position. I recalled a t-shirt I once saw that read, Don't bother me, I can't cope. That was me. I wished I was wearing it. Mom and Dad seemed to understand, or maybe they were just patronizing me. Either way, they spoke to me in calming tones and got me up onto Acorn. Acorn treated me nice, too. He nuzzled up to me before I got on. Maybe he wasn't being nice. Maybe he just wanted to check if I was the same guy. I sure didn't feel like the same guy. The Feely Forest was dense and dark green. My parents rode on either side of me, stopping branches from swiping my face. I don't know how long we traveled like this, and I don't care. I was in la-la land, completely mindless. I have no memories of riding into the Feely village. All I remember was my mother taking me into a hut and putting me to bed. I slept and didn't even dream. I awoke the next morning with all of my wits intact. I guess that was a good thing, but I couldn't help remembering how nice not thinking had been. That way I didn't have to see the face of the banshee I killed in my mind's eye, and I didn't have to relive the sensation of my sword piercing his chest. I laid in bed wrestling with memories. I had no choice, I said to myself. He was about to kill me. I didn't want to do it. It wasn't my fault. 
I had convinced my head that I had done no wrong, but my conscience would take time to heal, and I knew it would always leave a scar. I dozed again. Mom woke me up. She sat on the edge of my round bed in the round room and pushed the hair back across my forehead. It was like she had been doing it all of my life. I guess in both of our imaginations she had. Are you up for some breakfast? Yes, I said. I'm okay. Sorry about yesterday. I didn't mean to scare you. She smiled and held out her hand. Come. The reason I didn't remember entering the Feely village is probably because I hadn't seen it in the first place. The door of the cottage opened to what first appeared to be an empty wood. When the door closed behind me, I turned and couldn't see the door. I couldn't even find the cottage until I stopped and looked closely. The huts had been built in and among the trees. They were small and round with bark for outside walls. The trees had grown over them, providing roofs that almost made them invisible to a casual glance. I wouldn't be surprised if someone walked straight through these woods without even noticing a hut, just a sensation that something was strange. As we walked, I got the feeling that we were being watched, but saw no one. Deirdre touched a tree, and surprisingly, a door opened in it. You'll get used to it, she said. After a while, you'll see everything and wonder how it fooled you in the first place. It's not just camouflage, I said. There's magic working here, isn't there? Of course, she said. Inside was a long table. Fergal, Araf, Essa, my father, and a woman I didn't recognize were already there having breakfast. Dad jumped up and put his arm on my shoulder. How are you this morning? I'm fine. He looked me deep in the eyes to see if I was telling the truth. I smiled at him. He laughed and gave me a hug. What about you? I asked when he released me. Last time we were together, you had an arrow sticking out of your chest. Oh, yes, I did, didn't I? He waved his arm around. I'm fine now. There's nothing like feely nursing. The best medical magic in the land. Araf coughed. Except maybe impwife magic, he said quickly and winked at me. What happened? Neve was about ready to kill both of you. There's plenty of time for catching up, Mom said. Sit down and have something to eat, and I want you to meet someone. My companion stared at me like I was a Martian. I'm fine, guys, I said. I just got a little freaked out yesterday. Connor? Mom said, I would like to introduce you to Fawn, the Queen of the Feely. I stood and bowed. Your Highness? She smiled. Fawn will do. We don't have very much protocol in the Feely lands. I sat. You're Maeve's daughter, are you not? I am, but we do not use her name here. Because of what she did? I asked. Yes. Those who forget history are doomed to repeat it, I said, remembering an old quote. You sound like your mother, Fawn said. Well, take that as a compliment. You should, Fawn said, with a smile.
Breakfast was fresh and dried fruits and some sort of tea that woke me right up. Well, I imagine you have met my traveling companions, I said to my parents. Essa and I had a lot to talk about, Mom said. I knew her brother well. And Araf's father and I go way back, Dad said. Have you been properly introduced to Cousin Fergal? Cousin Fergal? Mom looked surprised. Haven't you told them yet? No, Fergal said. I was waiting for you. Oh, okay then. Uh, Mom, you know that protection spell you put on me? The one that only works with relatives? Yes. Well, it worked when Fergal tried to stab me. Mom shot an angry glance at Fergal. Why were you trying to stab my son? Whoa, Mom, it's all right. It's all right. It was an accident. She looked me in the eyes and then dropped her shoulders and asked Fergal, Who are your parents? That's just it, Fergal said. I don't know. I was hoping you could tell me. Fergal told Deirdre the story of his upbringing. When it was finished, Mom said, Well, I don't know of any banshees in my line. Yours? Dad shook his head. I'd like to find out myself, Mom said. Perhaps I could perform a shadow casting. I'd be interested in seeing that, said a voice close to my back. I turned to see my Aunt Neve standing behind me, a knife in her hand. You have been listening to Shadow Magic, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. To hear more of their fabulous music, please visit their website, www.lunasa.ie. That's www.lunasa.ie. For more information about Shadow Magic or its author, please visit www.shadowmagic.co.uk Thank you very much for listening.